Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Verse by Verse. My name is Joe Thompson, your host, and I'll be with you for the next 30, 45 minutes, and we are going to continue our study in the book of Luke today. Actually, what we're going to do is finish Luke chapter 8. We stopped in verse 18 last time because I, I just felt that um, as we as we talked about the parable of the sower, God was just simply moving and uh, I don't know, that just seemed like a really good place to stop and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart and and I, I hope that you have taken advantage of that opportunity and let God answer the question, you know, what kind of heart do you have? Uh, you know, is your heart receptive to the things of God, the Word of God? Um, that is so very, very important. So, all right. One other thing I want to address, um, you got the podcast yesterday, even though I recorded it Tuesday, and that's my fault. Uh, I actually forgot. <laughs> I did. See, what I have to do is record it, then upload it, okay? And I got busy Tuesday doing some other things, and I just totally forgot. And uh, so I'm laying in bed Tuesday night, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I forgot to upload the podcast. And I thought, I'm not going to get up and do it now. It's 10 o'clock. I'll do it later. Do it tomorrow, which I did. So forgive me for that, and um, I'll, 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 I'll upload today's podcast today. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, okay. Boy, I'll tell you what. Let's do something we, we don't normally do. We need to probably. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we just come this morning, and we want to thank you for... Lord, the opportunity to teach your word. Lord, your word is our lifeline. It is our lifeline to everything that you have. It is the central focus of everything that you are. You said in your word, Psalm 138, 2, that you lift even your word above your name. And so, Lord, this morning we exalt the holy word of God. And I pray that as we teach it, Lord, that you would just take it and apply it to our hearts and Help people to be saved and help believers to be uh, exhorted and convicted if necessary, Lord. And I, I just pray that you will, will just work in our hearts, God, which we know you will. Every time the word is opened, you are you're speaking and you're working behind the scenes. And so, Lord, today we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 8, verse 19, and let's continue reading here. Then came to him his mother and his brethren... And could not come at him for the press. Now, in the King James, the press doesn't mean the news media. Although, I will add, uh, probably one reason a lot of people don't come to Jesus is because of the press. But that's another subject for another day. In this context, the press means there were just a lot of people there. And and they could not get to him because of all the th all of the throngs of people. No, no, really, we're joking about that. We love news reporters. They need to be saved as well, praise God. And uh, so we'll pray for them. Verse 20. Um, and it was told him, it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. So, okay, so several practical things. Number one, we know Jesus had obviously a regular, he grew up in a regular family setting. Remember I told you Luke is a book that is written from Jesus, the perfect man. And so we're going to be reading a lot of normal, everyday human stuff that went on. So he grew up in a family, okay? Had a lot of stepbrothers and sisters. We, we know that. 
from other passages. And so they're wanting to see. At this point, his brothers and sisters do not believe in him. We don't get any indication of that. We even get indications that his mother, even though she believes, obviously, but she doesn't fully comprehend everything that God is doing through this wonderful person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's okay. She will come to that knowledge later. And and you know what? We don't always understand what God is doing at the time, do we? Uh, You know, um, in Luke 2, and we'll see this again here in just a moment, in Luke 2, you know, when the angels came and, and so on and so forth and you know, and Annas and, um, oh, there's a fellow there. I can't remember the man's name. Uh, you know, when he prophesied, you know, Mary kept all these things in her heart, the Bible says. She didn't quite understand everything, and that's okay. You know, it's not required that we understand. It's just required that we believe and that we put our faith in what God is doing at this point in time. We put our faith in Him and what He's doing in our lives. Okay. I, I, you know, I don't have to understand everything. I want to, but I don't have to in order to believe. You know, some people say, "Well, if I just understood God, I'd believe." No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. That you're what you're doing. You're setting a condition. Okay. God requires faith. Hebrews eleven six tells us that it is, it is our faith that pleases God. And so, as we continue to read in verse twenty one. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God, and what? Do it. Okay, so he's extending this out. He's using this opportunity to say, Hey, I've got more than just my, you know, family there in Nazareth, okay? My family, my brothers, my sisters are people who not only hear the word of God, but actually put it into practice. If you're a believer in Christ, then you are to be putting the Word of God in practice. James tells us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. You know, it's it's one thing to hear a message on a podcast like this one or go to your church, your youth group, whatever you do, but it's something else to actually implement what God is asking you and telling you to do in your life. Uh, now it came to pass, verse 22, on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. So Jesus would, on many occasions, go across the Sea of Galilee. But at, now watch this. This is very practical. Okay. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. He did something very normal, very human. And we see something here that is, is you know, uh, Jesus, of course, is God, but he's also 100% man, and uh, we know from other passages that he would get up early in the morning and start his day, and no doubt in the afternoon, he's tired physically. He needs a nap, and so it is, you know, it's biblical to take a nap when you need it. Okay, that's, no, that's not the application, but you could use it, I guess. He fell asleep. Now watch what happens. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in, watch this, and were in jeopardy. Now, let me explain something about the Sea of Galilee you need to understand. I didn't know this for a long time. But as I understand it, it is way, 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 way below sea level. I'm not sure exactly how far. I've got a figure in my mind, but I'm not sure if it's 
accurate or not, so I don't want to say it here, but it's below sea level. Meaning that there are times that storms arise and they can come very quickly and they're very violent. And that is exactly what happens here. Now, you know, all right, all right, so watch this. The disciples are on the sea. They're in a boat. They're sailing. Jesus falls asleep and all of a sudden this storm comes. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he, watch this, arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now, it's interesting here because in our lives, storms come. And it seems as if God is not paying attention. It seems as if God is sleeping. Now, the Bible does tell us, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. You say, wait a minute, he fell asleep here. But he's in his humanity, okay? But in his divinity, God, he never sleeps, okay? God knows the storm that's in your life right now. And, you know, sometimes our lives are way below sea level. And storms come really quick, and they're very violent. Um, you'll get that phone call later today, that letter in the mail, that pink slip, that trip to the office of your boss. You know, when you were a kid in school, you dreaded to go to the principal's office. At least that's the way it was when I was a kid. Now, nowadays in school, it's no longer a threat to go to the principal's office. That's too bad. But when I was coming up, it was a, a fearful thing. When you were called to the principal's office, that was usually not good, okay? Um, how do I know that? Because I was called to the principal's office several times. <laughs> and it was not good. I remember one time I was in fourth grade. And I'd had a bad year the, the previous year. I didn't do well academically for a number of reasons. And boy, I mean, I made all kinds of promises. I mean, they had, had, had talked about failing me that year and keeping me in third grade. And I mean, I, I just, on the last day of school, I mean, I, I pleaded my case. I made promises. I'd, I promise I'll do this, I'll do that. Well, they, they bought it. And the first day of school, you know, in fourth grade, I made my mom all kinds of promises. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, they lasted about a week, right? So a week later, I'm called into the principal's office for fighting. And the only thing that got me out of trouble being paddled, see, back in the days when I went to school, they paddled your tail when you did something. Nowadays, you know, they don't do that, and that's too bad. A lot of kids need to be paddled today, and I'm for that. Nothing wrong with that. And uh, but but I didn't get one because I told the truth. They called you know, there 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 were two other boys that were called in, and I told the truth. Hey, they weren't involved. I did it. So going to the office is not a good thing. But you know what? That storm that you're going through or getting ready to go through, you don't even know about. It could come quickly, man. I mean, you could go to work today. Your boss calls you in. Hey, you're fired, or I'm gonna lay you off, or you know, I'm really gonna get on your case about something. Look, something happens out of the ordinary. It's a storm, and, and, you know, somehow you think God has missed it. No, God didn't miss it. God is right there. And he awoke, and the Bible says he rebuked all the waves and everything, and they stopped. Now, notice what he says in verse 25, and this is a good question for you and me today. And he said unto them, where is your faith? Question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commanded even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And, and you know, God is asking us today, where is our faith? 
You say, Pastor, where can my faith come from? Uh, you know, I don't have the faith that I need. Okay, so Romans 10 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? Hearing by the Word of God. You spend more time in the Word of God, and I promise you, your faith will increase. Okay, some of you are lacking faith this morning. Why? Because you're spending more time watching Fox News than you are in the Word of God. Okay, now, I'm, yeah, maybe I'm getting a little personal right here. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be informed. Okay? I'm not saying that. You should be informed. You ought to know what's going on. Okay? Don't be ignorant. You know, don't have your head down in the sand. But at the same time, you need to spend more time in the Word of God than you do in front of the TV watching the media. Because, see, they're not always correct. You know, it amazes me how that the same story, you, you, okay, one story, one news story, two different networks, Fox, CNN, definitely CNN gets it wrong, but Fox says it one way, CNN says it another way, MSNBC says it a totally different way, obviously, they're, you know, and so where's the truth? Well, you know, these are networks run by men. Okay, Fox isn't always right. CNN is not always right. MSNBC is not always right. Newsmax is not always right. One America News is not always right. These are five networks run by men. Let's see, CNN, Fox, uh, Newsmax, One America. Okay, four or five networks. These are men-driven networks. They're not always correct. They're telling you as they see it, okay? But when you spend time in the Word of God, more time, and read the Word, and I would advise listening to the Word as opposed to reading it, and you spend time in prayer talking to the one who actually wrote the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what you get? You get heaven's perspective every time, all the time. Okay, when you watch the news, you don't get heaven's perspective, I promise. You get the world's perspective, okay? And if you'll spend 30 minutes a day, I challenge you to do this, okay? I am throwing out the challenge right now. Here on December the 14th, 2023, at 8.22 a.m. when I'm recording this, I'm throwing out the challenge. Spend 30 minutes a day listening to the Word of God. I promise you, your faith will grow, okay? I guarantee you. Verse 26, and they arrive... And, and, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. So they've crossed over now. Now watch what happens in verse 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes. Now that tells us a lot. This man is demon-possessed. He's totally naked. Okay, what does it tell us about our society today? Um, it tells us that when society wants to wear less clothes, it's controlled by the devil. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, we live in a society that wants to wear less clothes. I'm not getting legalistic. I'm getting practical here, okay? We live in a society that wants to take off all their clothes and show all their cleavage and all that kind of stuff. And when you see that, it's very practical here. This man was demon-possessed. He had no clothes on. Um, I, 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 I've heard stories from missionaries 
where you know they go into these jungles with these you know these tribes you know these heathen tribes and they get the gospel in there and these naked savages they get saved and, and you know what the first thing they want to do the first thing they want to do is put some clothes on and see pornography is of the devil okay pornography is of Satan it's not of God okay Illicit. Now listen to me. Don't misunderstand me. I didn't say sex. I said illicit sex. There's a difference. Sex is of God. Did you know that? Let me just say that. Let me say it again. Sex is godly. Illicit sex, that is sex outside the bounds of what God says are to be used for sex, is ungodly. God created sex. Okay. The devil didn't create it. God did. The devil... He came in and corrupted it. He made it dirty. Sex in itself is not dirty. For God said in the book of Genesis, for Adam and Eve to procreate. Well, you know, there's no other way to procreate other than the sex act, right? I'm not getting lewd here this morning. I'm just telling you that the way society is living today is of Satan. And we need to get back to the biblical standard of sex. And we used to tell the kids, well, I still do, but we used to tell the kids as a whole years ago, tell the kids, behave morally, don't have sex before marriage, and while you're married, don't have sex with anyone other than your spouse. Now, that means if you're a man, that's a woman. If you're a woman, that's a man. We've got to make that plain today because we've got a bunch of knotheads that don't believe that, don't understand that, okay? Those are the biblical standards for using this thing called sex. And any other use of sex other than God's prescription is wrong, period. And that includes not only homosexuality, that includes heterosexuality as well. That includes fornication. That includes adultery. All that stuff is outside the bounds of God's prescription for life. So this man was here. He's possessed by devils. He's naked. He, he's, you know, he's not wearing any clothes. Uh, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. Okay, so, so notice where he's at. He's in the place of the dead. He's in a very dark place. Okay. When he saw Jesus, now notice this. He cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? Now, it's interesting. Now, we know this is the demons. These are the demons talking through him. The devil knows who Jesus is. The liberals don't know who Jesus is. Well, they claim they don't know, but they really do. They deny it. Amen? But the fact is, Satan knows who Jesus is. He knows he's on the losing team. And he continues. He says, I beseech thee, torment me not. Now, there is coming a time when Satan and his demons will be tormented forever and ever. And so they know what's coming. The devil knows the devil knows his future. He knows what's going on. He knows something's going to happen that's not good. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and somebody said, you know, the devil knows the Bible better than we'll ever know it. And boy, that is so true. The devil knows Scripture better than most believers today. Why? Because we're not studying the Word of God. We're not in the Word of God. 
get into the Word of God and study. Now watch this. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of man. For aforetime it had uh, it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And what did he do? And he broke the bands. Now it's true that Satan has a lot of power, but thank God he's not all powerful. And was driven of the devil. Now watch this into the wilderness. Satan will drive you into no man's land. I promise you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've lived lives of sin. You know what I mean. Satan's, you know, you're young right now, perhaps. Satan's made you a lot of promises. Okay, spoiler alert. Satan is not going to keep his promise to you. I guarantee you. He will not keep his promise. He is a liar and the father of lies. And the only thing Satan is here to do. Listen, there's three things that he's got in mind today for you. Are you ready? Okay, on this day, as you start your day, December the 14th. 2023, Satan has three things in his mind that he wants to accomplish in your life today. You know what it is? It is to steal, it is to kill, and it is to destroy. That is what he is out to do. God, on the other hand, his mission is to give you life and that you may have it more abundantly. John 10 tells us that. Now, I don't know how much more plain I can make this. Let's continue. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is... What is thy name? And he and he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. So this goes into the study of angelology, fallen angels, you know, spirit beings and all of that. So this guy was obviously possessed. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding feeding on the mountain, and they besought him, this is the demons, that he would suffer them to enter into them. So, you know, everything the devil does, he's got to get permission to do from God. Boy, he hates that. Oh, he hates that so bad. But that's what he has to do. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. Now watch this. Here's the end, okay? This is the end of Satan, right? This is what Satan does in your life, guys. This is Satan. Okay, if you're not saved and you want to you know, live your life for the devil, you can do that. But here's the end, right? Okay, here it is. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were what? Choked. They drowned. So if you want to give your life to Satan, you can do that. You can choose to do that. But you know what your end is going to be? Death. Destruction. Okay, I told you, his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's doing. He's doing a very good job of it here. Okay? Now watch this. When they that fed them saw what saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And I would imagine they were probably very frightened. You know, the occult is very frightening. It's nothing to play with. Okay? You don't want to get involved in the occult. You, you just don't, okay? Yeah, it's really creepy. It's really scary. You don't want to get involved in it, okay? Um, then they went out to see what was done. 
and came to Jesus. Now, look what they find here. They came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed. Okay, so what's this man like now? Watch this. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Man, that's great. He's saved, learning, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. He's got clothes on. I told you about that a few minutes ago. Clothed, and, and notice, in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now, let me say something here, okay? It's controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway because it needs to be said. When people do dumb things today, you know, they go shoot up schools and stores and public places, the first thing you hear on the media is, well, you know, we've got a mental crisis going on here. Friend, I want to tell you something. It's not a mental crisis, okay? Sin, listen to me very carefully. Sin is what's making people sick. Isaiah tells us, read Isaiah 1. Go do your homework. Don't get mad at me. Go do your homework. Read Isaiah 1. What does the Bible say? The whole head is sick. That's what's wrong with our society today. The reason our head is sick as a society today is because of sin. That's the problem. And when we live God's way, guess what? We're in our right minds. I don't know of any more I, I, I don't know of a person any more sane than Jesus Christ. And I don't know of any more sane, any person that's any more sane than a person that's living for God and doing the right thing, living according to the Bible. But we live in a world where up is down, down is up, good is evil, evil's good, everything's backwards, it's all of the devil. Pretty much. And by the way, it's not gonna get any better. So I'm just telling you, for those of you in the church that, you know, buy the lie, you're, you're into this, well, you know, the church is going to make things better. No, it's not. No, it's not. Paul says it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to wax worse and worse. Okay, you're not going to make it better before Jesus comes. That's not our job to make it better. We're to be salt and light, that's for sure. But, you know, our job is not to make society better. Our job is to give the gospel... So that people can hear and be saved. Jesus will come and he'll rule this world. He's the one who will make it better, not us. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Now you would think at this point they're like, wow man, we need Jesus to hang around here because we want Jesus to do all kinds of great things for us because we love him, right? That's not what they said. Look at the, uh, verse 37. Then the whole multitude, watch this, the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round, round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear. Now I'm going to stop there in the middle of this verse and say that Jesus offers to stay obviously, but no, no, we want you to go. What does he do? And he went up into the ship and, watch this, returned back again. You know what? God is a perfect gentleman. He is not going to force himself on you. If you choose not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that is your choice. And you know what? He may just let you have that. He will, 
He will, um, he will speak to your heart. He will draw you unto Himself. Holy Spirit will. Some of you have been listening to this for, you know, seven years, eight years now since I started this podcast. In April, it'll be eight years. I've been doing verse by verse. And some of you have been faithful. You've been listening for eight years on Facebook Live. And now, you know, Apple Podcast. And you know you need to be saved. And God is drawing you and drawing you and drawing you. And look, one of these days God's going to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to let you have your choice. Okay? And let you bear the consequence of your choice. And he will do that. And that's what he does here. He gets up in the ship and leaves. Now, watch this. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him sent him away saying return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee so this man obviously wants to be with Jesus which is a good thing but Jesus says no I want you to stay here and be a witness for me and he went his way and published notice this he published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And by the way, those of you that are in that camp that say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say Jesus is God. Uh, I just read it. Hello. Jesus did claim to be God. Okay. Verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus, notice this, that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. So they're receiving him now. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. So he was Jewish. And he fell down at he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come, come into his house. Now watch what happens in verse 42. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a dying. So this little girl, she's twelve years old, she's dying. But as he went, the people, notice this, the people thronged him. Can you imagine this big crowd here? Now, while this is going on, something else takes place. And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years. So this woman has a blood disease. She's, she sees Jesus, which had spent all her living upon physicians. Neither, watch this, neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood staunched that means it just dried up and Jesus said who touched me when all denied Peter and they that were with him said master the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me so they're like uh, you know we, we don't know who this you know you know, there, there, there's so many people here. There's no way we can know who touched me. But, 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 you know, Jesus insisted, verse 46, and Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw, now notice this, and when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, she was afraid, and falling, and falling down before him, she what? Um, 
she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. And she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, notice what he says, Daughter, be of good comfort. Okay, you know, when you come to Jesus, he doesn't get mad. He says, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Imagine, years, 12 years of this. And what does he say? Go in peace. And he tells you today, come to me. All you got to do is just touch the border of the garment. And I'll save you. Go in peace. I'll make you whole. Go in peace. Um, verse 49. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. So... We can see their attitude. Well, you know, she's dead. And there's no more you can do. So just, just don't even bother Jesus with it. But notice this. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not. That's the first thing Jesus always says. Fear not. Believe only and she shall be made whole. See, what's he doing here? He is setting the stage for the church. He's setting the stage for the church age. He's saying, Believe. And you'll receive life. Everybody else says, no, nah, don't bother God with this thing. He's saying to us, believe today. And when he came into the house, notice this, he suffered no man, he suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John. Now we've talked about this before and I'm not going to go into this again. But these three disciples, he takes them in there. And the father and mother of, um, of the maid. Uh, and all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. Now notice this. In God's mind, are you ready for this? In God's mind, even a person who has died, in God's mind, is but sleeping. You just put a loved one in the grave a few days ago, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a few years ago. Someone you love dearly and they're in Christ. The Bible teaches that they're just sleeping. They're not dead. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Maybe you have a terminal illness and you know that unless God touches you, you're going to die. And yet the Bible declares you will not die because to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. Your body? Yeah, your body be dead. But you will be more, the, more alive than you ever were on this earth. And your body is yet sleeping because there is coming a day, folks. There is coming a day when there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. There's going to be that resurrection. Our bodies are sleeping. See, that's what I mean when I say look at life from God's perspective, not from the world's perspective. Now watch this. And they laughed him to scorn. That's what the world does today. Laughs at you know God and the things of God. Knowing that she was dead. I mean, okay, so you know, they look at her body, no vitals, okay. Growing cold, she's dead. I mean, she's dead, dead, according to them. But when you put God in the factor, okay, when when you factor in omniscient, omnipotent God, things change. Now watch this. And he put them all out. See, that's what God does. 
You don't believe God? Fine. There's the door. Okay. And took her by the hand and calleth, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. So it's very clear what's happening here. Her spirit came back into her. He raised her from the dead. And it's interesting, at the last part of this verse, what does he do? He meets the most practical need of this little girl. Give her something to eat. It's probably been several weeks since she's eaten. I mean, you know, she's been sick. She's got a terminal illness. She wasn't able to eat. And we all know, those of us that have had dealings with people that have had terminal illnesses, you know, when you get near death, your body rejects food anyway. But now, but now, she's alive. He says, give her something to eat. Take care of her. Meet that most basic need. And her parents were astonished. And, you know, that's probably the understatement of the century. Her parents were astonished. But he, what, charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Now, there's a reason for that. Okay, the reason was because he's offering the kingdom to the Jewish nation. And he's not yet ready to be declared the Messiah just yet. He's not yet ready to be declared. So, you know, he will be when he goes into Jerusalem, so on and so forth, but that's not quite ready, okay? So, we conclude chapter number 8, and and when we come back next week, Tuesday, Lord willing, we'll do Luke chapter 9, okay? And we'll see what God has for us. Father, I pray for those that are listening. I pray if there's one that needs to come to Christ, may they admit that they're a sinner and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put faith in you and you alone and then call upon you to be saved and you'll be glad, more than that glad, to save them today. Father, I pray for that one who is saved but Lord discouraged. Take the word of God, encourage their heart, encourage my heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, God bless you. We'll see you next week, Lord willing.